Today we're tackling Christian cliches. You've probably heard them. You might even say them from time to time. But are they true or are they a little bit misleading? Stick around, find out. Welcome back to another episode of Doable Discipleship. My name's Doug Jones, and sitting across the table from me, this sprightly young lad, oh, Jason. It is Jason. Bartholomew. Sprightly, if only. Aloysius. We wow. The third. Mm. <laughs> a strong name if there ever was one. <laughs> True that. This is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, but you know, we like to call it. Well, sometimes we use the cliche, the show that helps you grow. I can't believe you called that a cliche. <laughs> it is our tagline. It's our bread and butter. We're nothing without it's that phrase. It's only fitting for these two episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But man, are we going to talk about cliches today. Whew. And not only today, but also next week. We're going to do three cliches a day for the next two episodes. You so. know, Doug, that totals six cliches. <laughs> wow. Oh. If only I could do head math as well as you. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, let's just get into it. Yeah, okay. What are Christian <laughs> cliches? Generally speaking, guys, a cliche is is an overused and tired saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's how Webster's Dictionary defines it. I'm sure it's something uh, just like that. Um, in Christianity, cliches tend to become actual kind of cultural axioms or, or proverbs, if you will, that are then applied in many different circumstances. So uh, you can think of it as like wisdom that has been distilled into short, punchy statements that can be very handy in some cases. And well, that's that's why the book of Proverbs is so is so powerful. You, you got all these great one-liners, these zingers that are like, ah, cut me to my core. It's so true. Mm-hmm. But the problem uh, is that a catchy saying can become widespread without, well, without actually being true. Uh, <laughs> kind of a big problem. Kind of a big deal. <clears throat> so, um, so that can be a, a big problem, and really, that's what we're trying to tackle today. Is some of these are they true? Or are they not true? Yeah, C- cliches aren't all bad. Some of them are true, but some of yeah. them are just flat out wrong. And more more often than not, a Christian cliche tends to show an oversimplification of reality. It's like it's a it's a saying that's just so short and so simple and 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 that kind of thing that it just can't really account for reality as it really is. We often use them in situations that deserve a lot more than just a simple answer. And instead of, you know, really reflecting and weighing our responses, sometimes we just dust off some old adage, some old cliche, and then we just move on. I, I, I have a quick story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. by all means. I remember so uh, the last couple of weeks on, we had Dave Schnitter on the show. Yep. And I remember the first time I met Dave Schnitter, I honestly forget what I said, but I said some sort of Christian a cliche uh-huh. in front of him. And he, and he flat out called me out. He was like, wow, Jason, that was very cheesy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh. You're right, it is. <laughs> you hung your head in shame. And yeah, and I, I literally avoided him until uh, we had him on the show. <laughs> yeah, And then you had to face your fears. <laughs> and I don't think you used any cliches in those recordings. I was trying to be on my guard. 
Well, so anyway, a Christian cliche is something that we tend to say as a matter of habit, but not really as a matter of thought. Sometimes we just say cliches and it kind of substitutes, you know, thought for just kind of blurting something out. When we use them, we might actually or accidentally miss out on an opportunity to learn something new. So instead of thinking critically, we just blurt out something old. Uh, We don't actually take the time to reflect. So for the next two episodes, we're going to be looking at some of Christendom's favorite cliches and finding out if they're even really worth using. Why don't we start off? All right, let's hit it. Number one, you've probably heard this phrase before. It says, everything happens for a reason. And honestly, this is a go-to statement for Christians who feel like they must respond to pain or misfortune in, in somebody's life. You know, like you hear something from somebody or you're having a conversation with somebody and they bring up something bad that has happened and you say, ah, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Hmm. And, and let's be honest, in the in these types of situations, finding the right words when somebody um, that is close to us is hurting, it, it can be extremely hard to do. And uh, we often end up saying things that, well, that we wish we hadn't. And so it's, it's, it sure is it's tempting to default to a safe, a cliche, like everything happens for a reason, uh, instead. But let's stop and break this down for a second. Is this cliche really helpful? Is this a, is this a helpful phrase to use, particularly uh, when talking with somebody that is going through a painful situation? So let's look at the basic message of what we're talking about. The basic message of everything happens for a reason is, well, uh, God's ways are mysterious, and for reasons we cannot know, uh, he has caused this painful situation in order to bring about something good. Okay, Uh, if we look at it that way, there are two problems with this message. First, it assumes that God personally causes all things to happen, including bad things. And and really, this is a, a huge misunderstanding of God's sovereignty. Okay, if, if God is the cause of each and everything that happens, it, it makes him not only the author of, of everything that's good, but also the author of evil. And if, if this is the case, if this is true, then God is responsible for, well, a whole ton of bad things. He is, is, is responsible for all of the horror and the bloodshed throughout all of history. And, and this puts God in a really morally ambiguous position, uh, which is not supported at all by the scriptures. So, uh, the truth when you actually look at the truth and what scripture talks about is 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 more complicated <laughs> yeah. because god is perfectly good okay god is perfectly good and he made a good world but we broke it we took this thing that god made and god said it was good and we said hand it to me and then we dropped it and it broke <laughs> like an egg <laughs> like an egg that's right um, we made a very destructive choice, and we have been suffering the consequences for our mistake ever since. So we are now broken people living in a broken and a cursed world where very terrible things happen sometime. 
uh, we could go on about this for quite a long time, but you can go back and listen to episode 25 if you want a, um, a deeper look into in, in, this idea. Yeah, the day we broke the world. The day we broke the world. Um, so, we now we know that God is bringing a great plan to completion and that when all is said and done, he will make things right. But that does not mean that he is causing the pain or that he is pleased with it. So when bad things happen, it is not that God caused or made that bad thing to happen. God is not evil. He is not vindictive. He um, he is good and perfect. And therefore, if he is good and perfect, literally, he cannot do bad. Uh, right. So, so to suggest that everything happens for a reason, um, in the case of something bad, and that God is that reason, is a misunderstanding or a misappropriation, if you will, of the bad that has happened. Yeah. That's, that's the true. first problem. Yeah. Second problem is it fails to provide comfort to people who are in deep pain. It's just not helpful. It's not helpful. It's not soothing. When somebody's hurting, it's a lot better to just stay away from the cliches altogether. Especially if their response is, is well, w- what is that reason? And, right. and your response is, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only God knows. Yeah. Well, well, now God has not only done something to you, by uh, in your view, God's done something to you that's terrible, and he's done it without any explanation. It's just a misunderstanding of the way God even works. Exactly. Why did God cause me to spill the milk? Yeah, so it's better to just stay away from the cliches altogether, especially this so one, because the reality is when someone's going through something hard, grief is a necessary part of the process. And using cliches like this one is almost like saying, yeah, I know this is really painful, but someday you'll realize that this is actually somehow a good thing. And that's generally not very comforting to people. When they're going through a time of loss or pain, especially if someone's lost a loved one and you blurt something like this out, it just doesn't help. It doesn't help because that person just misses their loved one or that person's mourning a change or a loss or a, a, some point of grief in their life. It's better to just let people go through that. Uh, large portions of the Bible, by the way, consist of what are called laments, which are just really raw emotional expressions of sorrow. And most people, whenever they're going through any kind of hard time, they need to take the time to experience the emotions they're feeling, to experience the hurt. There's no way to get around grief. It always comes back and gets you one way or another. You've just got to go through it. And so when we use these cheap cliches to get people around grief, we end up doing them no favors at all. Sometimes we actually make the pain just that much worse. That's why scripture says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, instead of even though God brings down a helicopter and lifts me over the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> yes. Just God's imagine if that, had, if, <laughs> if that had been what David... Oh, anyway. lovely. If um, he knew what a helicopter was, I'd be really impressed. It'd be amazing. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, so, as we wrap up this first cliche, instead of telling somebody that, you know, everything happens for a reason, you, you honestly would probably be better off just saying, I'm, I'm so sorry that happened, and then just be there for them as they endure the hard season. As as Pastor Rick likes to say, it's the ministry of presence. You know, he says if he says when somebody's going through a hard time, just show up and shut up is is what Pastor Rick says That's about the true. situation. And he's had personal experience with this and knowing what you know what is needed at that time is really just the presence and the love. It's not the words. Yeah. 
That's right. All right, so everything happens for a reason. Big time Christian cliche. Probably want to stay away from that one. If you're going to use it, use it very, very sparingly. Uh, Number two. This is one you'll see on bumper stickers and that kind of stuff. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. Boom. This is a classic dose of Christianese right here, (laughs) if there ever was one. Uh, At first glance, I know it probably seems pretty solid. Like, yeah, I believe what the Bible says, and if the Bible says it, yeah, I'm going to build my life on that. I get it. It's obviously a good thing for Christians to make the Bible the authoritative voice in their lives and their source of spiritual truth, but there are a couple important warnings that I think should come with this kind of philosophy. First one is that it's not enough, actually, to just know what the Bible says. We've also got to figure out what the Bible means, and those are two sometimes very different things. You might think just because you've made a, a face value reading of the text that you understand it, but you might actually not. It's not just important to know what the content of the text is, but to know what it was meant for. So if you approach the Bible with that sort of simplistic uh, view of the text, and then you apply the, the passage of the Bible without good interpretation, you might actually wind up making some pretty big mistakes. You might interpret it improperly and then apply it improperly. So this whole idea that, well, if the Bible says it, I believe it, that's it. Well, it needs a little bit more nuance than that, and, and, and actually... Re- Uh, you know, when we come to the Scripture, we need to come to it with a little bit more thought, a little bit more study, which takes me to the next thing, which is every Christian needs to take the time to learn how to study the Word of God and not just read it. Now, you may never be, you know, a a, a super highly trained theologian or anything like that, but every Christian needs to know the basics about Bible study so that they can not just read the text, but understand it and apply it properly. If you want some help with that, go back and see episodes 65 through 68. It's our Bible study crash course. It'll be a big help to you as you start, you know, figuring out how to read the Bible for all it's worth. And if we don't learn those basic skills, uh, well, we'll have a hard time understanding the true meaning of the Bible. Some people think they understand the Bible because they know how to read, but in fact, (laughs) they make a lot of errors in the way they interpret it. So it's not just enough to know what it says, but to know what it means. Yeah, I would add to that too. It's not just about believing it. It's also a matter of doing it. So... Yeah, You know, just because the Bible says it and you believe it doesn't necessarily mean that you are doing it. That's so, true. Uh, I, would, I would just add that to that, too. Okay. Um, a second part uh, in regards to this cliche, which is the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it, is <laughs> please, please, I appeal to you, please. <laughs> we implore thee. <laughs> this cliche should never be used in a conversation with someone who isn't a Christian. I will repeat that. Yeah. Do not approach this phrase when speaking with a non-Christian yeah. because it, it, it literally, it, in the sentence, it, it is a conversation ender. Yeah. If you say, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it, well, there's nowhere to go from there. Uh, if, so if you are speaking with a non-Christian who has questions about the faith, okay, and you decide to use this cliche, well... That discussion is is essentially over, it, yeah. it, and it's not because the argument isn't sound. Again, it it like we should believe what the Bible says. It's not that the argument isn't sound, but it's because you've basically told the other person that you are not interested in critical thinking, that you're not interested in taking issues, wrestling with them, exploring what Scripture in its breadth says about the issue. 
trying to understand where the other person is coming from and then use scripture to support it and use logic and reason with scripture to support it. Yeah. So if you just says, you know, if somebody brings up an issue and you just say, well, this is what the Bible says, I believe it, that's it, I'm done, mm-hmm. then you there's literally nowhere to go. Yeah. It puts you just up a ended the conversation. How are you going to share Christ with somebody who you just, you know, cut off the conversation with? Yeah, it's also just not very loving. No, it's it's just an unkind and and honestly, it's kind of an intellectually weak approach to a conversation to be honest. It's it's saying like, no, we don't have to think about this because, you know, it's 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 just written there. So, you know, and I would add to that, when we become Christians, <clears throat> we are not commanded to turn our brains off. <laughs> Jesus said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not by the removal of your mind or the turning off of your mind. There are good reasons to believe the Bible, but when you're speaking with somebody who doesn't necessarily believe the Bible for themselves, it's better to keep the lines of dialogue open by two simple things. First, listen to them. Don't just do all the talking. Don't just make all your you know, religious or spiritual declarations. Listen to what they're saying, and then take the time to offer a thoughtful response to their questions, their objections, that kind of thing. Again, just keep the dialogue open. So do not use the, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it argument anytime you're talking to somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Yeah. What's um, the last one? We're already at our third and final cliche of the day. These are episodes meant for the summer, right, Doug? Yeah. This These is are great. just quick fun episode. Yeah. Um, so our third one for today is when God closes a door, he opens a window. <laughs> this one always makes me laugh for some reason. There's I don't know something why. funny, inherently funny about it. And I don't know why. And honestly, I'm not sure uh, how this ever became popular, especially for me, because my windows all have screens on them. So even if God closed the door, I can't get out another way. If there's screens on my windows. I just picture God basically saying, sorry, doors closed, but you can crawl through the window if you <laughs> the want. The fire escape in the back. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> I okay. I guess what this uh, what this phrase is supposed to mean is that whenever you feel stuck or something doesn't pan out the way you wanted, uh, you can expect God to provide an alternate route. Uh, but is this true, or is this just a, a little <laughs> misleading? Yeah. Well, I think it's a little misleading. I mean, it's true that. God will keep temptation from becoming more than we can bear, and that he'll provide a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10.13 talks about that, and I think that's probably where this cliche probably came from. I think it's kind of like a, a little bit of a tweaking of that passage. I think they still, I think most people who use it is like if, if they don't get like a job, uh, you know, if a job opportunity right. doesn't pan out, yeah. they're like, ah, well, God's got something else in mind. Yeah, you're right. Like, like, like they've made it like about God's path for you. But the only thing in the Bible that I can think of that this would have come from is this First Corinthians yeah, yeah. ten fifteen. It's like God will provide a way out. So I don't know. I just I just get the picture of like someone clamoring through a window, and that it just definitely doesn't, doesn't seem do to be it. based in do a me. script a particular passage. Yeah, because this this doesn't seem to have anything to do with temptation. The way people use it, the way you hear them use it, doesn't have to do with temptation. Although, as I said, God does promise that he'll provide a way out for temptation, that there will be a way of escape. <clears throat> but the issue with this, I think, is that, you know, obviously, we typically spend our time praying that God would change our circumstances. And so, like, you know, if we if we hit a roadblock or we, we get into a tough spot, we just say, okay, well, God's going to figure something out. There's going to be some way for me to go. He's going to open a window, so to speak. <clears throat> 
But I think we sometimes forget when we're praying about our circumstances that God's true goal and his, his, his number one goal is actually to change us, not to change my circumstances, but to change me. And often God will allow us to remain where we are for a period of time. We might even feel stuck for a period of time, you know, kind of in the, in the waiting room of life, so to speak, <clears throat> because God wants to use those circumstances to develop our character and to make us more like Jesus. It's, it's like when Pastor Rick was talking about prayer, right? He says that God always answers prayer. He just doesn't always answer the way that you want. And he can right. answer it as no, slow, or go, I think, with the three. What I think he says four? no, slow, grow, or go. Yeah, that's what it was. No, slow, grow, or go. Mm-hmm. So, so if you don't get that go, then you may be tempted to say, oh, well, when God closes a door, he opens a window. Like, like there is a go just on the other side. Yeah. But we forget that there's reasons for the no, grow, slow, or go. Yeah. And it's usually that God is doing something else. Yeah. God might actually just want you to stay there for a little while. Yeah. You know? Just and that's just fine. stay there. Instead of trying to climb out the window, so to speak, we should just focus on embracing reality as it is and learning to praise God and obey Him right where we are, whether He's given us a next step or a, or a place to go or not. We honor Him and we, we give Him the glory throughout all those seasons. All right, we've talked about three cliches today. Let's recap them real quick. The first one was, everything happens for a reason. Be careful with that one, because it says things about God that you might not even actually believe. Second is, the Bible says that I believe it. That settles it. We've already covered that. And when God closes a door, he opens a window. <laughs> well, he's opening up a window right to our doables. <laughs> uh, got him! <laughs> um, real good. All right, uh, we have a really fun doable for you guys this week. So uh, we have an event that's coming up. It's actually our first Doable Discipleship Live event. And we are having um, a guest, uh, author Todd Miles, who uh, recently wrote a book called Superheroes Can't Save You. And uh, it explores some different heresies and relates kind of each one with a uh, famous superhero. Yeah. Um, so uh, you won't want to miss it. It's going to be a great evening, great conversation. It's, it's going to be a... We'll get to the info in just a second. But the um, the way the night's going to work, we're going to have a great talk from Todd, and he's going to go through. So his superhero can't save you. J- Jason used the word heresies a second ago. Heresies are basically false teachings about Jesus. So yes. making that clear right off the bat. But um, what's great about his book is that, like Jason said, he uses the lens of superhero, you know, comic book superheroes, and he applies those to these different heresies or false ideas about Jesus. Talks about your Supermans, your Batmans. You're the Flashes. Uh, yep. Talks about the Hulk. Okay. Uh, I don't, can't remember what other ones you said. I didn't. Um, I, anyway, he has. Very, he talks I, about Ant Man. I think there's seven of them. He's got a bunch. Right? Now, what's what's great about this is you're probably thinking like heresies. Like I'm not a heretic. I don't believe false things about <laughs> Jesus. Well, guess what? You might actually be camping out on one of these false ideas about Jesus without realizing because some of them That's are true. very. Some of them are very sneaky. I don't think Batman thinks he's a heretic. But we're about to show him he's wrong. True, we'll have to ask him sometime. (laughs) But what's great about Todd's book is that it helps you get a really clear picture of who Jesus is. And I think it's important for a couple reasons. One, you you can't follow and be a disciple of someone who you don't understand. So you need to have a clear picture of who Jesus is so that you know who he can be in your life. But second, um, it's important for you to get a clear picture of who Jesus is because you are trying to become like him. And sometimes we believe things that aren't true about him, and so we don't know what to become. Not only do we not know who to follow, we don't know what we're meant to become. 
in following him and, and engaging in that process. So it's going to be a really, really great event. Jason, you want to give the details or should I? You know what? I would love to give the details, Doug. Great. Uh, it's on Wednesday, August 14th. It is from 7 to 9 p.m. And it is here at the Lake Forest campus. And you can actually go and register to uh, join us in person at uh, saddleback.com slash grow. Yep, you should be able to find it at the bottom of the grow page. Yes. Uh, or you can just click the link directly to the registration in the show notes. Great. And if you can't join us in person, we will have them available as episodes uh, immediately after the event, like or the week or two after. Yeah, it'll be like the yeah, it'll be right afterwards. This this is the first time we've ever done like a doable live show. So if you show up in person and you're like laughing and cheering, you'll be uh, you'll be appearing in a doable discipleship episode Yay. in your own in your own special way. It'll <laughs> be pretty fun. All right, uh, let's wrap this one up. We got a few more cliches to talk about next week. We'll see you then. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.